There are many ways people listen to vision, including on smart speakers. Just tell your smart speakers to play Vision Christian Radio. Alexa, play Vision Christian Radio. Vision. Yep, it really is that easy. You can also say, play V180 Radio for our music channel. It's just another way that Vision is helping you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What does living as a disciple of Jesus mean to you? Is it just a religious tradition or is it a moral code that was and still is required by your family? Today, Dr. Yusuf continues his series, Can You Pass the Three Tests? You'll see that when you follow Christ, you'll love like Christ. Listen with me now as he begins. There are a lot of people who have hurts. And I thought to myself, and I said, if I would tell you that there is a a magic wand that you would wave and your emotional pain will become whole, you would want it, right? If I tell you about a formula that if you follow it, that your emotional hurt can be lessened and overcome, you would say, tell me about it, right? But... Is it that easy? (laughs) The answer is no. Because it requires something of us, something that so many of us, in fact, vast majority of us, are not willing to commit to. It's going to require that you acknowledge that you cannot do it by yourself. And the ego does not like that. It requires that you are to be willing To place others ahead of yourself. And that is not easy. It requires daily emptying of yourself of yourself. And that is not easy. It requires the emulation of the one who did it perfectly. Who did it wholesomely. Who did it successfully. I'm talking about loving like Jesus. Loving like Jesus. I'm sure some of you are saying... Or can anybody really love like Jesus? Yes. But can it be done perfectly? No. Can it be done easily? The answer is also no. But I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. Because the major part of the problem that we are facing, and I'm talking about us who are the disciples of Jesus. major part of the problem is that we look at our world and we see that the world is filled with fuzzy notion of Christian love. And that is impacting us. Many a church, many a denomination have erroneously concluded that to love like Jesus is you to exercise no condemnation of sin. That you make no distinction between right and wrong. That you make no clear line of demarcation between justice and injustice. That you have no appreciation for the truth. But on the contrary, the highest expression of love, if you want to love like Jesus, the highest expression of love is obedience to Jesus. What did he say? He said, if you love me, do what? Obey me. So what did Jesus mean when he looked at his disciples in John 13 and said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
I am sure some children would love to interpret this verse to mean that if my parents love me, they will let me do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. We all were kids. Those of us who have kids understand that this is the way they say, if you love me, you'll let me do this. That's their way of manipulating us, by the way. There are some spouses would like to interpret this to mean that if my spouse loves me, lets me do whatever I want to do, regardless of what it's going to cost the other spouse. Here's the confusion. If you love me, you do this. If you love me, you do that. And we see that all around us everywhere we go. How many times you've heard children say this kind of thing? But that's a mark of immaturity. Those who are disciples of Jesus Christ ought to grow out of this, if you love me, you do this for me, to saying, I love you. What can I do for you? Where is the focus in all of this? All around us in our culture is me, the one who wants to be loved, the one who needs to be loved. Me, who wants you to express love toward me. But where is Jesus' focus? (laughs) It's You who should be doing the loving. That you should express love. Don't worry about whether you get it back or not. The truth is, when you do, you will. Someone will say, well, Michael, Michael, do you mean to say that I should do all the loving without expecting any love back? Of course not. It's like sowing and reaping. You sow love, you're going to reap love. There's no doubt about it. Even if you don't get immediate results. Now, I think this is a very important distinction. And that's exactly what is being blurred in our culture today. The whole concept of love among our contemporaries is turned into sentimentality. People use love as leverage to get others to do for them selfishly what they want. The whole focus on love in our generation is on the recipient's demands. The whole emphasis on love is lack of condemnation of sin and what is wrong. Today, anybody who has a conviction and expresses his or her convictions lovingly, they are called and labeled extremists by our society. And they tell us that that person ought to be ostracized. That person ought to banish from society. That person ought to be shut up from society. And that is a twist and perversion of the concept of love that is pouring out of many a church, that is pouring out of many a denomination, that is pouring out of the media, that is pouring out of politicians. In reality, Jesus tells us, That the mark of discipleship is to love like he loves. Not the way these people defining and redefining love. That we love like Jesus. Jesus never loved sin. Jesus never winked at sin. Jesus forgave sin. Jesus, though he was sinless, and yet he died for sinners. In fact, it is out of love that we condemn sin. 
It's out of love that we call sin, sin. Why? Because sin is harmful. Because sin hurts families. Because sin destroys people and communities. Because sin devastates and causes upheaval in homes and in society. And if we're genuinely going to love like Jesus, we must point to the harm of sin. Not the other way around. Have you ever thought about it if you looked at this passage and and saw when Jesus said that? That really is the clincher for me. As I read John 13 again and again. He said that. He said those words to his disciples. After he washed their feet. After he washed their feet. In the early part of 13 he began to wash their feet. Now I'll tell you something. This was not a day like our day where you wear socks and shoes and you're driving nice cars. And even if you walk, you walk on paved roads. No, no, no. They walked barefooted and actually some wore sandals. Dirty roads full of dust and mud. They were filthy feet. And you say, Lord, I can understand you washing Peter's feet. I can understand you washing John's feet. He's the disciple whom you love. But you wash Judas's feet? That's just too much. That's too much. Why? Lord Jesus, you already knew that Judas has sold you down the drain. He washed his feet. Peter's going to deny you, but he washed his feet. You knew that they're all going to flee and leave you and forsake you. He washed their feet. You know why? Verse 1 really is the answer. He said, because he loved them to the end. That's the love like Jesus. You love to the end. Not when things are going well. Not only when things are happy. But in the times of crisis. In the times of... Of tension. That's when your love is tested. I want you to hear me right. This type of love that Jesus is talking about, it's not human love. This is not human love. This is not selfish love. This is not possessive love. This is not this twisted and perverted love that is spewed out on us from every direction. This is a redemptive love. He's talking about this divine kind of love. And that is why I told you in the beginning, this kind of love is neither natural nor easy. Only God can give you this kind of love. Is loving like Christ easy? No. Nobody would tell you that. But only Christ can make you love like Christ. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Then you must ask yourself the question, do you love like Jesus? Well, is there a magic wand that would help heal your emotional wounds? Yes. Is there a formula that can make you whole? Yes. Love like Jesus. Ah, but the question is, how do you love like Christ? This is how. Every time somebody wrongs you, every time somebody sins against you, immediately forgive them. Immediately forgive them. Between you and God. You say, Michael, you don't understand. You just don't understand. This person doesn't deserve forgiveness. She hurt me deeply. He abused me all my life. You don't understand. She nearly destroyed me. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus forgive your sins? Does he continue to forgive your sins? Will he continue to forgive your sins in the future? Well, pray tell me if he forgave you and if you are happily received forgiveness at his hand, 
why you are so anxious not to dispense forgiveness. Love like Jesus. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you love like Jesus. But what does it mean to forgive and forget like Jesus? It means that whenever you are wronged by someone, you immediately, that very moment, look up to heaven and say, Lord Jesus, because of your power, because of your strength, because I'm your disciple, I forgive that person. And you take care of it. And it's done. That's what it means. You do it privately between you and the Lord. It means that when the person who had wronged you is repentant. And he comes to you and asks for forgiveness. Because you have taken care of the matter between you and the Lord. You are ready to embrace him and offer forgiveness. Now, some people, when they're wronged. Go and immediately tell the person that wronged them that they forgive them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Unless the person himself or herself comes and asks for forgiveness, don't dispense it. But you take care of it between you and your heavenly daddy. There are some people, when somebody comes and asks for their forgiveness, they pretend that it didn't happen. Oh, that was nothing. <laughs> Of course it was. Don't say that. Calling sin, sin is not being judgmental or harsh. It is being honest and truthful. And when sin is brought into the surface and is confessed, forgiveness is a must. Some people say, well, I will forgive, but I will never forget. (laughs) Do you know why people say that? Because they think that forgetting means that you're going to get a bout of amnesia and you're not going to remember it anymore. That's really what they think. No. But that's not what it means. It's not going to mean that it's erased from your memory bank. No. When the Bible said that God forgives and forgets, it doesn't mean that the God who knows everything about everybody since before the creation and after the creation till the end of times knows all the details of your life. All of a sudden, oops, I don't remember what he did. No, that doesn't mean that at all. But rather it means, forgetting means that he would not hold it against you. That's what it means. It means that it's not in his account ledger. That is filed away. And every payday he pulls it out and says, look what you've done here, 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 here. No. Forgetting means you cancel the debt. Forgetting means that you don't hold it against them. Forgetting means permanently removing their offense from the debt column. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you need to learn to love like Christ. Often when someone wrongs me, I wait until they ask for forgiveness, as I already told you. That person, not somebody on their behalf, that person has to come and ask for forgiveness before I publicly express it. Why do I say that? I'm going to give you some biblical precedence here. But what have I done meanwhile in my own heart of hearts, in the privacy of my heart, between me and the Lord, in the secrets, in the very depth of my heart, what have I done? Have I have taken care of it with God. That I have canceled that debt. It's washed. It's cleansed. 
because it's going to affect my walk with the Lord, it's going to affect my life, it's going to affect my ministry, it's going to affect everything in the world. So I take care of it. Through the power of Jesus Christ, I take care of it. But not publicly. Why? I want you to hear me right. Number one, you must never offer forgiveness unless and until the person asks for it. If you walk to someone and say, I forgive you what you have done. (laughs) Well, the person might not be aware that he's done anything. It's different in a parental responsibility when you try to bring your child under conviction and you confront them with the wrong. It's different if you're in a spiritual authority and you're trying to bring somebody under conviction to see what they've done before even they ask for it. Listen to me. The reason why our Christianity is so mushy is because for so long we've preached, come to Jesus and just make him to be your friend. Oh, that's wonderful. But he cannot be your friend. Until you already have been convicted that you have sinned against the holy God and against his commandments and against his rules and that you're heading for disaster without Jesus Christ's payment for you. See, that's the problem. We preach cheap repentance and, and, and we don't even ask for repentance. Until a person comes under conviction that he or she have sinned against a holy God, they can never be born again. Adding Jesus to the list of your friends ain't going to help you. It's wonderful. Jesus is a wonderful friend, let me tell you. I testify to that. But Jesus is a friend of sinners. Those who confess. Those who admit. And so the person has to confess personally. And then be forgiven. Conviction must precede repentance, and when public repentance takes place, then public forgiveness should be offered generously and freely. Second thing I want to tell you is this. You must take care of the inward forgiveness immediately and without delay. Don't sleep on it. It's going to multiply. Because carrying a grudge hinders God's blessing on your life. It really will. It will. So deal with it inwardly. And then wait for God's timing to offer it outwardly and publicly. After the resurrection, Jesus did not rush to Peter and said, Now Peter, you denied me three times, but I forgive you. We don't have any record of that. Instead, he, three times he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter comes under conviction. And then the Lord forgives him. When did Jesus forgive Peter? You know how I can show it to you from Scripture? After the third time Peter denied Jesus, the Bible said, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter. As I say, Peter, that's all right. I have forgiven you in my heart. When Jesus forgave the crowd who nailed him to the cross, he did not in his agony look down and hear, you people, I forgive you. He could have done that, but he didn't. He prayed to the Father. He said, Father, forgive them. And very few people actually heard this because it was between him and the Father. He took care of it right on the spot between him and the Father. They don't know what they're doing. Had he said, I forgive you, they would have laughed. They would have jeered. 
Forgive us what? We've done a government a favor. We've done God a favor. We've done everybody a favor. What is he talking about? But he took care of it. And then there is no doubt in my mind that on the day of Pentecost, when the Bible said there were 3,000 people came to Christ in, the, in Jerusalem, some of them were those very ones who stood there under the cross. You talk to the Father about those who have hurt you. Then the Father will give you supernatural power to be able to forgive them and to keep your heart clean between you and Him. Why should you take care of this very quickly? I don't want you to miss this. I'm almost finished. If you miss this, you're going to miss the whole point of this message. Don't miss it. The Bible said, if I incline a sin, where? In my heart. Where nobody can see, where nobody knows, but me and God, I'm inclining in my heart. If I hide a sin in my heart, if I hide a grudge in my heart, if I entertain a sin of my heart, if I host a sin in my heart, if I nurture and nourish a sin in my heart, if I nurse a sin in my heart, my prayers are not going to go any further than the ceiling. God will not hear me, said the psalmist. Have you been praying for something for so long and you haven't had an answer? Something that in your heart you know that is consistent with the will of God. Will you listen to me, please? Maybe, just maybe, that you are entertaining a grudge in your heart. Maybe, just maybe, that you are nursing a sin in your heart. Maybe, just maybe, that you are nurturing bitterness, resentment, in your heart, maybe, just maybe, that you're not loving like Jesus. Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming the uncompromising truth of the gospel, today on Leading the Way. If you'd like to speak candidly about what it means to love like Jesus, reach out to one of our caring staff members to begin that conversation. Get more information and start the process at ltw.org slash Jesus. ltw.org slash Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Do take a moment to join us again tomorrow, won't you? This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.